Today, we're going to dig deeper into a discussion of collaboration that we started last week because we really believe that collaboration is that important to organizations of all sizes. Coming up next. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, where we help you unleash the power of soft skills. Here are your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. Take it away, guys. Welcome to episode 23 of Serious Soft Skills. I'm your host, Bob Graham, and with me as always is Dr. Tobin Porterfield. Hey, Toby. Hey. We've been winding our way through our list of 55 soft skills. We're slowly winding. Um, We need to wind faster, but we're getting there. That we developed from academic literature, and we've struck on collaboration, which is one of those things that we hear about all the time. And we talked about last week in episode 22, we sort of gave the basic framework of what good collaboration is. We gave some real examples of it excuse the pun, go back and listen, you'll see the pun. And this week, we're going to talk a little more deeply about it with the foundation that you got from that last episode and sort of try to look at situations in the workplace. And we both read the article um, in the last couple of days from Inc. Magazine that suggested uh, collaboration kills creativity. And that we both immediately, that jumped at us. The gist of the article by um, Jeffrey James is that creativity is an individual pursuit and therefore working in teams by its very nature limits any kind of sense of creativity. And of course, creativity is really what leads to innovation. So Toby, I know you read that article and we had a brief discussion about it. Sort of tell us your thoughts. Well, I think it's, uh, it's great when we take a look at academic literature, academic research, and try to grab nuggets from it and then say, okay, how does that really inform us in a day-to-day, in our business life world? And that's what uh, uh, Jeffrey James, Jeff with a G, which, you know, we always like, uh, James, um, got out in that recent piece. And the the title of it, in case any of our uh, listeners want to grab that, is Collaboration Kills Creativity. According to science, and that was from Inc. Magazine. I'll put and, it in uh, the show notes. I'll have a link to it so you can access it there if you're driving or running or doing your laundry. We don't want to stop you mid mid drive or laundry. Excellent, yeah, because we're all about productivity after all. Um, and so he pulls some pieces together, and then I, I believe he looks at a couple other sources, and 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 it, it does help us think a little bit differently about collaboration. And, and I think he, while I don't completely agree with um, his perspectives and, and I, I believe collaboration as, as you've alluded to uh, collaboration is really the key for us to creatively solve problems in today's really complex world. Um, he makes some really good arguments and, and some things that we can take away from it. And right off the, the bat, he says uh, something to the effect that, um, for a person that's creative, then if you get pulled into a group that's going to collaborate, then you can really get caught up in groupthink and and really instead of raising to a to a higher plane, you can all kind of um, uh, suboptimize in the mediocrity, and so you don't end up with a better solution than you would have gotten individually, um, which you know it has some validity to it. And then he, uh, he, uh, he identifies some data that found the relationship between people's happiness in life and their level of social engagement. And that generally um, people, and I think I would say this is a domestic uh, United States type audience, 
are generally happier when they've got a, a substantial level of social acts, social interaction in their lives. Um, I'm not sure that that it necessarily falls into collaboration because I don't necessarily collaborate with the people I socialize with. I usually collaborate for problem solving in a in a business context. I'm offended. Uh, interesting. Oh, please. I'm offended that you say that you don't collaborate with people you socialize with. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have to rethink that in at least one case. <laughs> uh, I'll continue to evaluate that. Okay. Um, but, I, but I think he also gets to a point, and, and I would support this in saying, gosh, um, I know when some problems come up and they come across my desk, I look at them and say, hold on, I, I really I, – I know what's going on in this situation. I have the background uh, this does not require a committee. It doesn't require, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, any type of major effort. This is a, a problem that I can solve right here on the spot. And I, I think that's what goes behind some of the data he's seeing is that some people, because of their knowledge or experience in a certain area, um, their own creativity is sufficient to efficiently solve the problem. But many problems we encounter in business today, because business and, I, you know, uh, and our listeners know I come from a supply chain background. Supply chain is all about complexity. When you look at the supply chain of how all the parts come together to build a vehicle in Tennessee and deliver it to a dealer in Boston and service it in New York, the supply chain is ridiculously complex. And those type of complex problems that we face today uh, require multiple perspectives to come up with holistic and effective solutions and as the term you like to use innovative solutions so that, so while i don't completely agree with his article i think he does get to a good point that we have to be careful about what we try to solve using collaboration and that groupthink and uh, a group uh uh, level of low performance doesn't occur, but we really want a group high performance if we're going to bring people together to solve a problem. Okay, and I, yeah, as I was as you were going through it, Toby, I was thinking of an example where I find that collaboration is absolutely the worst, and I get put in the situation often, which is I'm writing something for a client or someone else, and everyone wants to sit around the table and wordsmith it. And now you have 10 opinions about every comma, everything. And I'm always one saying, tell me what your concerns are. Let me give me 15 minutes. Let me go write it. And I'll come back with something because it is incredibly frustrating to me to try to collaborate and be creative in writing a sentence when 10 people are going, no, no, you should use this word. No, no, that's not the right word. And I think that's an example. And maybe behind this is this uh, Jeffrey James saying, hey, we should be looking at what is truly something that requires collaboration. A problem requires collaboration. But there are other things that don't require collaboration or they require individual creativity, which could lead to collaboration that, hey, you know, write your best effort and then let me review it and then let's come together and talk about it. There are steps in that process. And maybe sometimes we consider collaboration to be the be all and end all. And maybe he's really at, the, at his core. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and say that what he's really saying without using the words is we need to think about what is collaborative, when do we collaborate, and when do we not. I agree. And, and I was hoping you'd weigh in because, uh, as our, our listeners know, you've got a journalistic background, a writing background, and I can just uh, picture any type of a, 
of a more artistic driven outcome, whether that be painting, poetry, uh, uh, creative writing, or even um, uh, website type writing is, boy, if I had a group of people come together and try to, to paint a picture of, you know, anything, it, it clearly wouldn't come together looking like anything. And that's where the there's clearly a person needs to lead that a person with those creative abilities. And, and I like your being a more creative person. I like that you're willing to say, but I could benefit from some feedback, but let's not try to, to form a committee to, yeah. to make a mural. You, That's not going to work. You, you talked about journalism and where create, where um, collaboration really works in journalism is when you're writing headlines. You have the story written, it's agreed on, everyone looks at the story and says, oh, this is about this. And then the headline is where, man, you get five people who start firing the right verb or the right phrasing, and you really see greatness there. But, Toby, I I could talk about journalism all day. I'm not going to go there. Um, But we do need to take a slight break for a minute, and uh, we'll be right back with more on collaboration. Hey, Bob Graham here. Self-reflection, you've probably heard about it, but you have no idea where to start or what to do. We got you covered. We put together a tip sheet on how to start your practice of self-reflection and some of the do's and don'ts to ensure your success. To get your tip sheet, visit SeriousSoftSkills.com slash tip sheet. That's SeriousSoftSkills.com slash tip sheet. Best of all, it's free. It's our gift to you for spending some time with us today. Uh, welcome back to Serious Soft Skills, episode 23. We're talking more in depth about collaboration. We started it last week, and this week we're sort of going into it a little more deeply, looking at what some others have said and sort of critiquing what they said and making some sense of it for us at least, and hopefully for you as well. So we're going to shift gears. We were talking about an Inc. article that said uh, collaboration kills creativity. Now we're going to shift gears and go to a Harvard Business Review piece um, that you use in your classes, Toby, that talks about how to evaluate the cost-benefit of collaboration. Can you sort of walk us through this without going into Dr. Porterfield teacher mode? I don't know if I can do that. That's, that could be tough. Um, but, yeah, I do teach a course on innovation. Uh, innovation management. And uh, I love this article. It's by Hanson. It's from 2009. We'll, we'll put a link to that in the Not show the notes. musical group, right? No, no. This okay. is a single Hanson. This is, this is Morton Hanson. Uh, uh, we won't even go into the whole Hanson thing. So anyway, um, the title of the article is when internal collaboration is bad for your company. And I just love this article because as you've said, you know, there's such a, a feeling today that, that collaboration is the, uh, the, the holy grail of solving any problem. And, uh, and this article just did a great job. And, and every time I've used it with a class, the students go, Oh my gosh, this is just so re- such a relief to, to see that collaboration isn't the right answer all the time. And uh, to simplify what Hansen proposes is that there's a uh, collaboration premium, a, a, almost an equation where you can say, you know, what's going to be the benefit? What's going to be the outcome of this collaboration? And, and you and I have talked about, you know, sometimes it's we've got a cost problem that needs to be solved. We've got a marketing problem that needs to be solved. So we can quantify these in some way. And say, you know, we're going to gain this revenue or we're going to improve our profit by X. And that's what he's suggesting is that, well, collaboration isn't free. 
and, and, it, and it's minimum, it's going to take time. And so we're going to have five people together. And if they're going to meet two hours, two times a week for three weeks, that's hours and hours of meeting time. And then it's also time outside of those meetings, gathering the data. And so there's a real cost in time wise that's easily quantifiable. And you can look at it and say, well, hold it. This is what we're going to be investing. What's the return on that? What's the ROI, the return on investment? And I love that quantitative approach to something is not really quantitative. But we have to stop and say, no, it's not always best to collaborate. And he even adds in, he says, well, okay, there's those real costs. Um, and if your team has never formed relationships, it's going to take even more time in those meetings until we become effective. Um, but he also says, don't forget, too, there's opportunity costs. And people use the term a lot, but what opportunity costs mean are what could those people be doing other than sitting in this meeting? What value would they be getting, giving the company? And the value they could generate by doing what they're supposed to be doing rather than being at that meeting might be greater than being at the meeting. So he just really unwraps this and, and to me uh, gets back to what we talked to right before the break and said, you know, there's a right time to collaborate and there's a time to not collaborate and just to to find a solution and put it in place. And I think Hanson really helps us put a number on that. Have you ever used that math and come up with the cost benefit and truly said, oh, wow, the, the equation works the wrong way. We shouldn't do this. <laughs> yes. Um, and I would say that with if you have this in your mindset, it's not even a matter of putting all the numbers down. It's it's assessing what's the value of this and flipping it over real quickly and saying, hold on, how much time is it going to take us just in rough numbers? Hours, how much is an hour, uh, you know, what's our pay scale mean to our hourly rate? It's pretty easy to put this number together. And uh, and I, I'll give you a con concrete example. And I have, uh, I've got two other authors I'm working on or two other researchers on a paper. And uh, the paper has gone on for uh, multiple years in its development, data collection. It's been analyzed, reanalyzed, unanalyzed. And, uh, and the last time we got together on it, I said, guys, the ROI on this is gone, gone. <laughs> it was gone two years ago. Um, and uh, so we're putting one, you know, after all these sunk costs that are already into it, I said, okay, how many more hours will I need to spend and hopefully never hear about this project again? Um, and that's where we're down to. And, and so we, we, I would say it's turned into a black hole. Uh, we talk about this in project management where it just sucks in every available resource anywhere near it. Um, and, and in this case, this one, but it, it is a very valuable research project. And we have invested a lot and we're just, we're going to, we acquiesced and said, okay, X, you know, X number more weeks and that's it. We're going we're gonna to send it out and see how it goes, and then if it doesn't fly, we're done. But, yeah, this, it's, it's tough when you want to make the call to kill one of these projects. Did, Best thing is to kill it before it even starts. Well, I was going to say, did you have a sense with this research that you were going to get to this place early on and you didn't follow your instinct, or is this something you discovered along the way? And I'm not trying to rat you out or anything. I'm just I'm trying to understand it from a from a practical standpoint, not theoretical. The I think we made the right decision up front to launch into this project, uh, given our assessment at the time. But our 
the outcome we measured pretty well, but our level of investment we underestimated significantly. And this is what often creeps in on a project is the evolution of the project. If it was just, hey, let's look at this and, and we're going to solve this in the next month. This went over multiple years. So it's like, oh, it's just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. And uh, I think with collaboration overall, uh, we've got to make that judgment, especially when it comes to our roles as leaders, managers of an organization or as a team, is to quickly assess and even be able to push back some projects and say, whoa, we got to slow your roll on that. Um, let's look a little more carefully because once we start this train, it, it gets really hard to stop it. And so let's be sure before we start it that, that we've got a good understanding of what our investment level is going to be and what the value of that outcome is going to be. Well, you raised the issue of killing it. It is hard to kill something because you've got those costs already assumed that, you know, I put 20 hours into this, Toby. Really? You want to stop now? But then I, I think we struggle to accept that we may have wasted time in the sense of we're not achieving the goal we set out to achieve. But I would argue the other side is that often what I come back and do is colored by those things where I was smart enough to stop early. And I'm better for it in the long run if I just get over it and go, okay, well, I learned something from that. What did I learn? And move on rather than lamenting, you know, oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's just that forward looking that I think is key. But also taking the time to reflect, to back to self-reflection, in the idea of, okay, where did this fall apart? And I think you sort of um, alluded to it a little bit in what you were describing with your situation with the research that things changed along the way and whatever. And having that in your mind next time so when you go down that path, you can go, oh, wait, I've been here before. I need to hit the kill switch a lot sooner to be more effective. And I think that's where in teams, that's where the leader, usually someone with more experience, is more apt to have that kill switch that to younger people can be very frustrating. Well, why would he do that? Or why would she do that? But actually, it's probably wisdom. Right. And I think there's a good collaboration is an initial collaboration with someone more experienced to say, hey, we think this is something we want to dive into. Do you have any thoughts? And and I've had, often had people say, man, you don't even want to go down that road. Don't don't open that can because it ain't going back in. <laughs> and uh, And now as we've each matured a little bit more in our career, I think I'm at a point where I look back and there I, I would be hard pressed to to think of something and say, gosh, I wish I had done that. It's more likely I say, gosh, I wish I had never started that. I yes. still get to a few of those. Uh, yep. Only a few. <laughs> only we, a few. We could talk all night, but Toby, unfortunately, <laughs> we are out of time. Um, that's, uh, as I said, that we, we've covered more of collaboration. Good news for you all next week. We are not going to talk about collaboration next week. We're going to address another uh, soft skill, written communication. So we're going to shift gears pretty dramatically. And you can always connect with us on LinkedIn. You can go to Serious Soft Skills on LinkedIn, or you can find us each on LinkedIn. You can also find us on Twitter at Real Soft Skills. And you can go to our website at any point and get uh, past episodes and other really valuable resources. Uh, so that's pretty much it for now, Toby. Uh, thank people for listening, of course. We thank you for your time. Have a good day and good soft skills. You've been listening to Serious Soft Skills with your host, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. 
If you like what you hear, then take a moment to review us on iTunes. Looking for more insights on soft skills? Then check out our website, SeriousSoftSkills.com, for blog posts, newsletters, and other resources. And look for a new episode of Serious Soft Skills every Wednesday. Thank you.